Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. I'm joined as always by Always Be Comedy's very own Tim Lewis. My name is uh, James Gill. We are Always Be Comedy. The, <laughs> the podcast is where we sit down with a, a comedian or someone who works in comedy or someone who's comedy adjacent. We will branch out, but anyway, for now, pretty much exclusively comedians. We have a gossip, we have a natter, we sometimes get a couple of exclusives out of them, and then the guest will curate. What would be their dream comedy gig? Who might open? Who might compare it? Each week I secretly hope they get, they'll ask me to compare it. I'm, I'm invariably disappointed, and I have to hide that disappointment like uh, Meryl Streep. What sort of gigging nightmare must not happen at this gig? And so on and so on. It, I'll be honest with you, it's just enormous fun, and we love it very much. We are joined today by the great Tanya Moore. Uh, if you thought I was positive and enthusiastic... Uh, by comparison to Tanya, it turns out that I'm Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I, I'll be honest with you, I was searching for a more highbrow reference, but uh, here we are. Enjoy, Eeyore. Um, Tanya Moore, pure sunshine, hilarious. One thing Tim said once we'd finished chatting was how much Tanya and I make each other laugh, <laughs> which is a nice thing. But uh, Tim, some of the laughter went on so long Tim, you actually had to cut some of the laughter out, but in a, but in a, but in a in in a lovely way. Is that fair? In a lovely way. I I was like, well, I'm glad we're having so much fun, but <laughs> the audience is going to hear a solid minute of just laughter. <laughs> There's one bit, uh, and I, actually, to be fair, I say this as a podcast fan. There are some podcasts I've listened to where they keep in the squawking laughter, but if you're not in the room. You like, I don't know about you, but Tim, I listen to podcasts when I'm, say, putting away the laundry. Yeah. But if they're laughing for like a full two minutes, I might laugh for the first 10 seconds. Yeah. But I might have filled a drawer of socks by the time they're finished. <laughs> by the time they finish laughing. But there's there's one bit in particular, and it's... It, uh, Tim, I don't remember laughing as hard as this. F- no. Maybe like my whole life. <laughs> there's one bit in particular where, and you'll know the bit, we talk about a certain comedian... And um, just to explain for context, I I insist, and I feel like I'll be telling this to a judge, I insist I was joining in, but the reason why we laugh so hard is because it sounds like I am mansplaining in the worst way possible. Now, I'm not, I don't, am I spoiling the, am I, I'm not, I hope I'm not spoiling the bit there. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'd say we'll leave it there, but 
we'll leave it there. But it's a lovely moment. Yeah. And I've been, and I've, <laughs> I continue to laugh at the moment. And I know Tanya continues to laugh at the moment. So there'll, uh, there'll probably be a video clip of it, is what I'll say. Oh, yeah. You know what? Oh, actually, sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, the episode finished, and then Tanya emailed, <laughs> what, three minutes afterwards and went, that's the video clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, God, God bless Tanya Moore. Uh, Tim, Tanya, as solid as a dude as you're likely to meet. Just the most infectious energy in a green room. Just lights it up. Just, we'll have, we'll just, we'll have a laugh with absolutely anyone can turn the most sour-faced get into a laughing clown what on earth man about but she is yeah just... she gives she gives up the laughs right yeah. i think you and i give up the laughs we all know not, not even just comedians we know people in in life where you've you might have dropped a zinger or you've told a story that you know as a banker and you get an absolute easter island statue back yeah um Tanya is the Tanya's the opposite of that. Tanya's a, a great comedian, great audience, um, very empathetic, as are we. Uh, so yeah, you, 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 you're in for, basically you're in for a treat. Also, if you've never seen Tanya live, if you Google uh, Tanya Moore tour, you will find all Tanya's dates. But then also, if you Google Tanya Moore August, Tanya is uh, performing a new show called August. Uh, and to say any more would spoil it. Tanya reveals why the show is called August and it is shaping up to be a very special show indeed. And the plan is at the start of 2024 to take August on tour. Tanya is one of those acts, whenever she plays, always be comedy. It, she's one of those acts where the, the audience are fastening that metaphorical seatbelt because, uh, my God, she, that she, she smashes it so hard. And we, and we, we, we talk about that. She's, she's got just these killer routines, absolute window shakers. Uh, and she, Tim, it's fair to say she brings that same energy to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was, this one of the funniest podcasts. It's really so much laughter, so much joy. It's really great. It's really great. I remember Tanya's done several gigs for us where she absolutely smashes it. And all these members are sticking around to try and chat to her because they want to be her new best friend. That is a brilliant observation. There, there was one gig, we won't say where it was, uh, that had been, let's just say, we all earned our money that particular night, right? <laughs> and then Tanya went on last and the audience members came up to Tanya while effectively stepping over my corpse. But they, <laughs> they came over to Tanya and were they, Tim? They sort of wanted to touch her like she was Diana. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. That's the only comparison I could pick up. Right. We've got, this week. We have a bumper bag of correspondence to the extent where we think we can only get through the the first couple. By the way, please, for the love of goodness, keep it coming because the correspondence this week was uh, absolute chef's kiss. I really didn't want to say chef's kiss, but. Uh, I really didn't want to mention that Michael Owen gif for the eighth. <laughs> Tim shaking his head. Straight off the bat, one of our podcast listeners, Louise, came to a show and gave Tim and I a box of chocolates each to say thank you. Now, if that sounds like I'm passive, aggressively suggesting that people start bearing gifts, that is absolutely 
not my intention. Completely unrelated. Tim, what are your favourite chocolates? It's so funny because it's such a lovely thing to do, which I don't want to encourage bestowing off gifts, but also uh, it was very nice. I won't lie. <laughs> Louise, thank you very much. You are a mensch and the people's champion, and we're very grateful for all your support, which takes us into Kathy, another... Kathy's someone that came to a lot of the online gigs and then as she travels, she's traveled down for quite a few of the Tommy Field gigs and listens to the podcast. So there's there's much praise for the pod in there. Thank you very much. She tells a lovely story uh, following our praise of Rose Matafeo. And Kathy saw Rose do a show at Mac last year. And it sounds like um it sounds like Rose was a late replacement due to a dropout. Now, the reason why I love this, I know Tim loves this, is that what Rose did is my idea of this. This could not be more up my street. Rose found old Google Docs of old material and was sort of like, and I know exactly how Rose would do this, and was, was reading through the old material that as, as a Neil Young fan, that would be like, and a Rose fan, that would be like Neil Young digging out old bits of paper and working through old songs. That that for a comedy fan, that is an that is heaven. Uh, and then also, uh, Rose was giving out Capri Sun drinks to the audience. This is why Rose is <laughs> our kind of dude. Uh, also, this is this is a nice little bit. As they drove back from Mac, uh, Kathy had gone with a cousin. Kathy's cousin is a taxidermist. They drove past a dead cow and they therefore had to put the dead cow in the boot of the car. It was a smart car and the dead cow was next to the hot engine for the entire journey. Uh, Kathy bumped into Rose Matafeo and Emma Sidi and as, as, uh, as Kathy says, for some reason, decided to tell them that story. I tell, she says, I tell random stories when I'm nervous and I was certainly starstruck, pun partially intended. Great bit of correspondence, but then Kathy adds to it. This has been a hit single. She's turned it into an EP. This is this ties into our positive experiences when meeting comedians. She loves Glenn Moore. We all love Glenn Moore, one of Kathy's favorite acts. She saw his last show three times. However, Glenn asked Kathy her name, Kathy replied Kathy, and I think was so nervous, what did she end up doing? She asked Glenmore what Glenmore's name was. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Kathy, very much, I kind of vibe. Uh, this is nice. The cousin didn't know who Glenn was. Glenn was a, a gentleman and pointed out that at Mac, if you see people wearing yellow wristbands, it's because they are performers. I like that because Glenn was being friendly and also it feels a little bit like she was being told off. Um, and then, and then, oh God, Glenn, what's happening? I assure you, I was not taking, yeah, okay. Um, now this is nice. She closes by saying, she then bumps into Glenn in Edinburgh. They'd had a nice chat. And then as they said goodbye, Kathy forgot that she was talking to Glenn Moore possibly thought that she was talking to some sort of elderly relative. And as they say, said goodbye, Kathy shouted, bye, I love you. Tim, that's one of the best bits of correspondence we've had. It it's perfect. It it's uh, funny, it's informative, and crucially, it's very self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, because Kathy's done such a stellar job with the correspondence, we do have quite a lot more correspondence, but we're going to save it for future episodes. But I did want to address one section of one bit of correspondence. Katie Burrows, your email is wonderful. I want to, we actually want to save it for next week or the week after, but I did want to address one question. Now, Katie asked for book recommendations uh, about comedy in the 1980s. So I wanted to answer that now. Uh, Born Standing Up by Steve Martin is, that's one of my favourite books ever, but that is, oh, actually, I'm, I'm, actually that, I'm sort of letting you down because that's more about, <laughs> that's more about his career as a stand-up, which is almost exclusively in the 1970s. However, there is a book, Nick de Semelet, Semelin, I'm probably mispronouncing that, I apologise. I'm a big Empire magazine fan and I have been since I was a teenager, and Nick is one of Empire's uh, great uh, figures. And Nick has written a book called Wild and Crazy Guys, How the Comedy Mavericks of the 80s Changed Hollywood Forever. And that is about uh, the likes of Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Eddie Murphy, uh, John Belushi, and many more. That's a really good, this sounds like an insult and it's not an insult because I devoured that book. If you're an Empire Magazine fan, it's 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 a bit like, no, it's a lot like a really weighty Empire feature. But if you imagine that across a, a full book, um, Bill Murray, all those dudes. So I would say that is a very comprehensive uh, book about 80s US comedy. And then if you want something a bit closer to home, I know I've given this guy a shout out uh, on the Harry Hill episode, but Graham McCann, in my opinion, is sort of the, the governor when it comes to British comedy and has written books about, I'm going to read a few off, the likes of Frankie Howard, The Great, Dave Allen, Dad's Army, Yes Minister, uh, John Lamazure, Terry Thomas, Faulty Towers, Only Fools and Horses, and also uh, the history of Open All Hours. But Graham McCann's back catalog, back catalog covers all sorts. I know that I know that everything I read out there wasn't necessarily 80s, but uh, take a deep dive on Graham McCann. I, I sound like I work for Graham McCann. I don't. I just happen to think the dude is absolutely brilliant. Right then. Anyway, we'll get back to uh, the great Tanya Moore. Tell you what. If Tanya had an autobiography out, I would read that in a heartbeat. Yes, uh, she talks about her pre-comedy life and all the things she's done within entertainment, let's say. She's things I didn't know. I think you're going to love it. Th what that, that really surprised me, because I'd seen Tanya on a Channel 4 show talking about comedy. So when she actually reveals her relationship with comedy, uh, that, again, I, I didn't know any of that. We love Tanya. You're going to love this. Uh if you if you enjoy the episode, check out Tanya Live. Our, uh, our our love for Tanya really comes across in this episode, and Tanya's love for life. God, I'm nearly crying here. Tanya's love for life uh, certainly comes across. She is just the best. Uh, here we go, the great Tanya Moore. Right then, we are joined today by one of the most dynamic, explosive performers of her generation the sort of act when you see them live you're like if you've never seen tanya live before you have that feeling of holy fuck how have i never seen tanya more live before oh. tanya straight out of the gates when did you realize that you had uh in comedic terms the world by the tail oh i think two seconds ago when you said it 
I'll tell you what, uh, to, uh, sorry, I'm answering this for you. This is like the worst form of mansplaining. But to, <laughs> but to explain what I mean, I remember you'd, there was an always be comedy that you'd done. And I think there were some people in the room that hadn't seen you before. Yeah. And then you get, I, re I remember very clearly, I won't burn the bit, but there's one specific bit about you and a chat with a partner and what ends up happening there. And the, <laughs> the roof, you know, people say, oh, the roof nearly came off. And like, what they probably mean is a joke went down quite well. Yeah. But, but this was like, this was like window shaking reaction. Um, when, when did that start to happen? When you realized, oh, hang on a minute, I, I know how to smash a gig here. That's interesting, you know, because I think I've had peaks of that throughout my career. And I think it boils down to the better I get at churning the craft and, and, and perfecting my delivery. So the first time I would say I accepted, Tanya funny, you know, probably about mid pandems, you know, when I could like make people belly laugh via Zoom, because I think it's really hard to penetrate somebody through a screen. And if you've got people losing their minds through a screen, you've got to be some kind of funny. That is so true. Yeah. So when I was like having great Zoom gigs, I was like, nah, I've got to be funny. Come on. Come Ooh. on. I know it's subjective, but come on. If you can sit in front of a laptop or however you were doing it and have people rolling off the sofa yeah yeah that's amazing yeah god i would never have guessed that in a million years that's so, so you came out of that you came out of the old panny d feeling match fit then i feel good i feel really good because i was i didn't stop i did not stop so the first you know the first couple of months we were all like what's going on here and i'd luckily just got a pet um certificate in 2019 december so i was like right i'm gonna go online and do some fitness and see what happens and hopefully you know, some of the people who follow me just want to spend time with me and pay to do this fitness every day with me. And luckily I did have people come and pay, you know, it, they were helping me pay my bills, which was wonderful. And then um, comedy came back and I just zeroed in on that. And I was working like three, four times a night because I ain't got nowhere to go. You log out, you log back in again. I also remember, did you do, when you did Brett Goldstein's Films To Be Buried With podcast, was that on lockdown? Yeah. Because because Brett you you did Brett's podcast. Brett WhatsApped me. I reckon pretty much as he was logging off, it was like he, he goes, "We've just had Tanya Moore on. She's hilarious." Aww. But that's a, that, like globally, that's a big pod. So I'm, that would have got some traction as well, I imagine. Yeah, that I also did um, off menu. I also did uh, remember Kiri had COVID arms comedy. Did that as well. So I did quite nice things that would like push me along. Also. In mid lockdown, I did mock the week, so I was doing some nice stuff that rose my profile. Yeah, and that now some some listeners may not know this, but you you made this was during lockdown we, we, when the, we were able to do some socially distant TV recordings, yeah. and then just coming out of lockdown, so you did two episodes on Richard Iowardi's Question Team. Now, can you just and, and I know you got a comedy routine out of out of one of these as well. Yeah. So what? So the first record what did they have you doing because remember you popping on that one skydiving baby oh my god <laughs> so question team and i've i've such four memories of this show and richard ioardi such a, a king among men so the, the the format with question team 
comedians come on and they've devised their own rounds. Yeah. So, so for example, Kerry Godleman loves going camping. So she devised a round for the other contestants all about camping. Uh, Bob Mortimer loves DIY. Get around all about DIY. But Tanya being Tanya, <laughs> I could not, but I was the one you know on the so show. Mad? The way you're delivering this, you sound like my mum. She's like, but Tanya, but everyone else's kids yeah. was normal, but Tanya. <laughs> P.S. You are grounded. <laughs> uh, so I was the one up on this show. and re re Yeah, Ioward, really fond memories. Ioward is lovely. I, I have quite a nice Ioward story. Anyway, I'm standing there with the crowd watching, seeing what is happening on screen. Tanya, please explain what on earth happened. Well, yeah, so we, so you have to ask, you have to ask questions. You've got five questions to ask. And uh, I asked my questions as I was falling through the sky, <laughs> attached to a man who I'd just met an hour before. And I trusted him to not kill me. <laughs> it was weird. It was wild. It was wonderful. I just felt like they said, they genuinely said, what's what's on your bucket list of things to do and i told them and they chose skydiving <laughs> and i was like go on then <laughs> and then i got there and realized should have been a bit more hasty with my answer <laughs> <laughs> should have said train spotting uh, and then i was like right we're here now let's just do it see what happens but i'm a thrill seeker really in real life um and i enjoy doing things um where when you finish it, you can say, oh my God, I almost died. I don't know why, I find it exciting. Now, how did everything go smoothly? Was, was the instructor was nice, everything was fine? Yeah, everything was nice. It was a really nice day. Um, and I had to do it twice. It was a really nice day. They were really careful. They you had to really do it twice? Careful. Yeah, honestly, you got to do it twice. It's TV, you can't do nothing once. Genuinely did it twice. <laughs> Genuinely did it twice. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. If memory serves, the noise that the crowd make, the penny drops that it's actually you and it's actually happening. Yeah. Now that was a great. That was a great moment. There was a real moment of part of my language. Holy shit! Yes. You know, oh, Kay oh, was oh, like, oh, "What are you falling through the sky?" Yeah. <laughs> There's that thing of, oh well, obviously the, the stunt person will step in now and they'll make it look like it's. Oh no, it is actually. This is happening. It's me. Uh, so that was awesome, and then so it, it then comes back for season two. Yeah. Tanya. I imagine, given what happened in the series one, first name on the team sheet, but they actually, I think I'm right in saying it, they then go to you, right, well, what, what do you want to do next? Yeah, because no, because we sat down and literally they, they all came into the camera like this and they were like, Tanya, listen, we've put out, uh, some, with TV shows, they put out feelers and get people to watch all the episodes and then they get feedback. I didn't know that was a thing. So they get feedback to see what, who the audience likes and they can bring them back, what they enjoyed so they can like incorporate into season two, all of that kind of stuff. Everyone came back with 100% Tanya Moore, that episode, 100%, yes, please, yes, please. So they were like, how do we top this? <laughs> oh my God, how did, that, how did that feel good? What, what a feather in your cap that is. Honestly, it feels amazing when the production company's like, right, 100% her. Just means it's great. Oh, that's so lovely yeah. to have faith. And you know, Tom's great to work with anyway. The whole team, they're just amazing. So it just makes the day a great day. And then they came and they were like, how do we top skydiving? And I was like, I don't know, what else can you do? And they were like, well, we were thinking about wing walking. And I was like, well, okay, cool. Now I didn't research it. I was like, don't look, just go on the day 
and see what happens. In my head, genuinely thought you get on a regular airplane, you know, the one that you fly to Barbados in, and then you just walk out on that big massive wing and you walk back in again. <laughs> genuinely, James. <laughs> genuinely. I was like, what's the worst that can happen? There's a big, massive platform for me to walk on. Uh, Stewardess, uh, I'll have that gin and tonic in a bit. If you just open the door, I I think everything will be fine. Honestly, I was like, in between snacks. (laughs) Oh, my God. What I didn't know is you've got to sit on top of a plane that was made in 1792. And then it's like literally like a stripper's pole and a bus stop seat. Not a real seat. You know a bus stop seat where yeah. it's barely a seat and it's slanted. And then they strap you in with fairground straps. So you're not tight. <gasps> fairground straps that someone's just attached to the stripper pole. And then you go. <laughs> Honestly. So, right. So, Scott, hang on. Did you not do three separate things? So I did five. So, in season two, it was like a big lead up to the wing walk. So, the first thing was to wake up in this beautiful opulent uh hotel it was like an old english country i must get the name of where we were but it was it's like a part of old england that's just been preserved you go there and you it feels like the 1600s it was beautiful cobbled streets and big massive four poster bed you know a bathroom with a bath that stands alone and all that kind it was wonderful so thing number one was to wake up in this four poster bed and like throw the breakfast away and have like servants and stuff and the next thing was to go downstairs and get get massaged by a lady to prep me for the day that was thing number two and then thing number three was oh my god i did um water skiing never did that before that was my first time nearly died oh my god honestly i'm not shock horror not a fan of water no way so when i swim james I swim to survive. I'm not enjoying myself having strokes like you lot. I'm just surviving, okay? I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> I got on the fucking thing. And luckily, in two goes, I got up and we were going around, did the questions. We were going around and around. I said, don't stop it. We're here now. Start shooting. So as we're going around, I'm doing the questions. We start shooting. So then we start to slow down. He was, I was like, hold on. How, how do I get off of this? Because... <laughs> Oh, you're no. like, yeah, just let go. I was like, no. If I let go, I'm going to fall into the water, babes. He was like, yeah, you'll be fine. No, I'm not going to be fine. <laughs> I'm not, not going to be fine. I said, if I also let go, you're going to keep going. So the, t- the, the machine is going to throw the water over my head. <gasps> he was like, no, you'll be fine. I promise you, you'll be fine. I said, sir, we've just had George Floyd. You can't kill me no more. You've okay. got to look after me. <laughs> So they don't really 2021. You can't do that to me. He's like, they started laughing. They were like, no, Tanya, it's gonna be fine. We're not gonna kill you. So I was like, all right. So I let go. And lo and behold, I fucking went under. As I came up, honestly, James, there's me. It's on it's on the outtakes. There's me. I'm gonna die. This is how it ends. You're gonna kill. This is honestly. <laughs> honestly. I was watching it back, crying with laughter. I was like, oh my God, my mom's right. What a drama queen. They were laughing. <laughs> so I, was like, I was probably like, I'm gonna die. This is how it ends. Like, <laughs> but, but hang on, I'm getting, I'm getting quite protective of you here. 
you know that you can't swim. You've got yes. every right to shout that. Yes. So how do they get you out? He just slowly came around and then just dragged me. Like, I was just floating there like this. <laughs> just like, I was like, I hate you all. <laughs> and then that wasn't the end of the day. And then I had to go and do, um, actually, that was the first thing I did. Then I had to go and do the hotel and that scene. So it wasn't too bad. Then the next day, the fourth thing I did was clay pigeon shooting, which was wonderful. I I get it. I understand why people like guns. I get it now. I like guns now too. There's something know? magical about, and it. you did that. It's it's weird. I'm going to, I'm going to say something. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not proud to say this, but I, when I used to work for uh, Shortlist magazine, yeah, I got sent to Texas to do this like cowboy holiday, and part of that was spent at a shooting range with a six shooter, you know, like in the yeah. westerns. And it is, uh, this is the least. I can't. I, I know. I know. I shouldn't be saying this. Yeah. But when, and I've I've watched a lot of westerns, and when you fire that six shooter, Thanks. you're surprised by. How exhilarating! I can't believe I'm saying this. Honestly, I like, know, I know. Is... I started shooting and I was like, oh, guys. And it, it... the man was really shocked. He was like, are you right, love? I was like, oh, I get it. I yeah, get it. it's it's weirdly exhilarating. I moved to America. Which I think I think at this point, Tanya and I must say that guns are obviously yeah, wrong no, and, we and don't, terrible. Yeah. So what yeah. we would say is go to a professional shooting range. Yes, and, a safe space. And, you'll, and the thing is, you'll see what we mean. Yeah. Honestly, in a safe space, it feels amazing. I understand, because when I first got there, I walked into the shop and you can see loads of different guns for sale and you see people walking around with guns on their shoulders. And what was really scary is most people who go there look like the mugshots of people who go to schools. Oh my I, was like, I was like, oh, hold on a minute. This is crazy. And then I, I put on the gun, I put on the outfit and I was like, oh my God. Even from putting on the outfit, you feel like you've locked into the character now. And then you go outside and you start your test run. And I was like, oh my God. And then when you actually shoot the plate and it dissipates in front of you, you're like, oh my God, it's it's thrilling. It goes all over you. It's amazing. So, I had the best day. So certain actors will say, or I think most actors will say, all they have to do is like say, put a certain hat on. And then they be they like it's like they become that character. Yes. So I, th I think of all the Bond movies, I think it I think it's Moonraker where he goes clay pigeon shooting. I might have to I might have to Google this. So as you get dressed yeah. in the outfit with the gun, you are essentially Tanya Bond in your mind. Literally, Bond Tanya Bond. You do the shooting, and it was nice because it's TV. You got to do lots of takes. <laughs> so I was sure. Shooting all over the place. Oh my god. Wonderful. And then the last thing I did after that, so I was. Yeah, shooting all over the place. And then after that, we went straight to the ring walking place. Got me in my suit, put me on the plane. And I went around, did that twice as well. And then after that, because that the last two days had been quite, as you can imagine, emotionally taxing. I got off the plane the second time and I went and lay down in a car and fell asleep. James, wrong car. Someone was driving off with me. What? I don't know how I did it. <laughs> Oh I just God. opened the car door and went to sleep in the back because I was like, I've got to lie down. I, I didn't know what it was, but I now know like well, everything was coming down. It was hitting me. 
all the emotions that I'd been holding for the last two days was like smacking me in the face. They said, yeah, go and lay in the car. I just chose a car and laid in it. <laughs> I swear to God. Mate, I'm not even, if there's any TV producers or development people listening to this podcast, they, they, they're thinking, well, we have a format for a TV show. It's, it's quite easy. It's called Just Follow Tanya Moore Around. Literally. <laughs> Honestly. Oh I'm my calm. God. So you, you turned what were already going to be an eventful couple of days. You just made them somehow even more eventful. I mean, I just feel like I keep saying to people, and I genuinely believe this. I believe my purpose here, why I was born is to provide entertainment, make people happy via the medium of entertainment. I genuinely believe that's why I'm here. I've tried every other job as we all do as creatives doing part-time stuff until we get the dream. And honestly, nothing fits me like this job. Sure. Genuinely yeah. believe that. Um, I just think producers should believe that too. <laughs> so I can sure. have my own show. Well, Tanya, the, the, we've now got a, a lovely reel for you to put together. Yeah. Just, yeah. The, just the last three minutes of this chat. Just... <laughs> I think there should be a reel of your reactions to this chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, because the, the the pure audio will not do justice to my no. jaw hitting the desk uh, <laughs> multiple times. Now, I'm sure you get this a lot. A question I get asked, I've been getting asked this a lot recently. And it's a very simple question, but I imagine quite a few listeners would like to know it. How do you get into comedy, right? Yes. So for you, how, do, how did you, how do you go from, say, being at home watching comedy on telly, and I've seen, I saw that documentary with you where you talk about your comedic inspirations on, on Channel 4. Yeah. But how do you go from that to then standing on the stage performing? What happened? Interestingly, never thought about comedy until I saw a comedy course one day. Not interested in comedy like that. I know a lot of comedians, you know, they they were involved in it from when they were young and they know about all these older comedians and all these different shows and stuff. No, my first love is acting and dancing. I've been doing dancing since I was three. I've been doing acting since I was seven. I was teaching dance. I won the hip hop championships with my dance crew in 2005. We came back from L.A. and then uh, I was like, I don't know what else to do. I didn't really want to be a dancer, like trying to be in back in videos and stuff. That wasn't really my motivation. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So I started teaching dancing. As a result of teaching dancing, I was hosting these big dance, um, you know, the competitions and yep. all that kind of stuff. All the parents were like, oh my God, you're so funny. You should do comedy. Then one of one day my friend was walking past the New Cross um, Theatre and was like, oh, they've got a comedy course. Why don't you try it? I was like, all right, it's on a Sunday. Might as well. Now we're here. Are you serious? Honestly. That's why I'm like, the move I made recently is I'm like, I want to get back and be more intentional into what my actual heart is. The comedy for me is like, oh, okay. You lot enjoy me being cheeky. Didn't like that in school, but here we are. <laughs> There's nothing else I can say. That's it. The moment I can like put it back on the back burner, it's going there. I had no idea. Yeah, it's not my job. That blows my mind because you, you are so, sorry, I'm, I'm making your head big again here, but- No, no, but such, that's why I believe it's my purpose. It's yeah, you're such a natural. So you were hosting these dance events, yeah. almost accidentally, turning them into the Tanya Moore show. You know what happens. 
So you're you're hosting these dance events, and as you know, I attend a lot of these dance events. Yeah, to... that's that's why I love your videos. I get so like you have no idea. They fill me with such joy, especially when I see your daughters. Like they're so proud. I love that stuff. I miss that. I used to judge loads of dance competitions, especially in Ireland. I used to fly there often and do those big ones. You know, you're there all day, and they do like the solos and the duets and the yeah. Love it. I love it. Love it, James. Honestly. Oh, oh the the. Uh... The dance company that I'm now affiliated with through my eldest, when you said that about competing in America, there, now my eldest isn't old enough for this world championship, but always be comedy. We, we, we're, we've actually put an event on to raise money to help get these kids over to. That's what we did. Yeah. Oh, it's, so, it's, it's such a big thing, isn't it? We had oh to my do gosh. fundraisers and stuff to raise money so we could go to America as well. I went to, I attended a fundraiser. I mean, I go to all their events, you know, all the ones that I, I can do with, with, with the, the nippers and, and my, my, my other half, but they had a fundraiser for this event in America and they gave speeches at the end. And uh, I mean, I will, I cry if somebody opens up a bottle of lemonade, but the, <laughs> I was so moved. I really was. I was so moved. And the, the, uh, one of the, one of the main dudes from, from twin, she, she had this phrase and she said, I know that some of you have networks and it was like, you know, the voice in your head's like, if I don't do something to help these kids, I am letting the, I'm letting these kids Aww. down. Um, well, babe, it's on the podcast. Anything I can do to help. I'm a lover of all things, dance, whatever you need. I'm there. It's, oh, that's so, thank you so much. That, mean, that means a lot. And, and the thing is, and, I, and I'm singing to the choir here because you were these kids, but yeah. I'm a sucker for kids the south london kids yeah. putting it all out there following a dream giving it their all and I'm, yes and i'm just i'm literally in fact this fundraiser we got to an, uh, an interval and i'm in the loo and one of the dads one of the dads said i kept turning around and looking at you and every time i looked at you you were crying your eyes out oh. <laughs> and i was like oh mate yeah absolutely Thanks. um do you know what yeah the video and i'm gonna be honest with you there's, I've got archived videos. When I'm having like a down day, I look at these videos. So normally they are of my sister's kids. Um, Laura Smith sends me videos of her kids as well because you know her middle is my favourite. Yeah. And I've got that video of you and your family. Um, there's the time where you were doing a dance and then everyone finished. At the end, you were like, yeah, did it. <laughs> I swear to God. It's just... It brings me so much joy. <laughs> It's, that it is video, the that is, that is the most dad thing you'll ever it see. Is, oh my god! It brings me. Come here, I'm crying. It brings me back to when I would see those dads. Like those are the dads that you want at a fucking comedy competition, man. But it's the it's, it's everyone being on time. Then that bit out of nowhere. James is like, yes, smashed it. Oh god, because I. If you if you this this dance video is on my it's on my Instagram and it I thought I've nailed it. Good feels. But when I when I watch it back, I'm about three quarters of a second after yeah. everyone else. But in my mind, I am Beyonce <laughs> and oh, reality. Honestly, of... it is the best thing. <laughs> oh god. Oh god, brings me joy. That thank you. No, no, thank. <laughs> I'm glad, you know what, I'm glad that the camera, you can't see how much I'm blushing right now. I'm <laughs> absolutely delighted. Now, Tanya, he says, moving the conversation on. Um, please, right, if you've never seen Tanya Moore live, there's, there's no better opportunity than, than to go see Tanya's solo show 
August, which is a show that Tanya uh, is putting together. Please talk us through August. August is um, probably the one hour everyone expected from me last year. Um, it is more serious than last year, and it's about what happened to me in August 2022. Um, it was a crazy time in Edinburgh last year for me. Um, if you watched some of my videos, I was there, then I wasn't there, then I went back there, and it was just all a bit of a roller coaster. And it was up and down, and it was messy, and then it was not messy, and it was crazy, and it was not crazy. And so, what I like to do is take serious situations and make them really fun. And so that whole 30 day period was crazy. And the last thing I'm gonna do is allow that to be like a negative trauma in my body. I'm gonna make that a fun thing. And so that's what I've done. I've taken it and I've made it absolutely hilarious. Won an award at Vault Festival, nominated at Leicester Comedy, only performed it seven times. Love that for me. Oh my God. Yeah, just started, I've just started it. So what, so what happened? Can you, can you share what happened? I can share. I mean, it's, it's, it's trigger warning. I was in Edinburgh and um, when I, before I went there, I had recently found out that I was pregnant, miscarried on day three, carried on anyway, and then found out on day nine that it was ectopic. And then, um, by the way, guys, I promise you, this is a really funny show. Um, but then, um, uh, yeah, just the back and forth of what that meant for me. Yeah. T, I, I did not know. Yeah. So I told everyone online that I'd like pulled a muscle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the time. But it was, the show is really fun. I promise you. It's really funny. And um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, the show isn't actually about the miscarriage. It's about focusing on the different ways that people grieve and what we, what we go through when we're grieving. Oh, team. But I promise you, it's a really, it sounds heavy, but it's really funny. I promise you. And all, right, there's no, there's nothing, more, <laughs> but there's, not, there's nothing more irritating than the, than the, the podcast host uh, asking a question as if he's a therapist when he's not, when he's absolutely not a therapist. However, <laughs> but I, 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 I sort of have to ask this. Do I take it that the, the, the process of putting that show together, that there must have been, I imagine the listener rolling their eyes that I'm asking this, but for you to turn something like that into yeah. a an award-winning show, there, there must have been catharsis from that. Yeah, I do breathwork therapy. I don't really have, I don't think talk therapy is for me. I do breathwork therapy. It's, it's more of a spiritually aligned therapy. And what it does is, instead of you just talking about your issues, it aims to, because you know when you have um, something happen in your life, if you don't deal with it, it sits somewhere in your body, right? So what you will find, especially with elder women and men, they will have like, you know, like you've got an auntie who's got an, a shoulder problem, but the doctors can't fix the shoulder problem. That's because it's emotional, auntie. It's not medical. So what I like to do is I'm trying to break generational behavior. And instead of holding it all in, I like to go into a deep dive on it. So I have a spiritual slash breathwork therapist. And when I got back from Edinburgh, I spent a lot of time with her. So what I do is I go to my breathwork therapist and we really just work on like womb work and just me sitting in the pain and finding it. So what happens is, is now if I talk about it and I start to feel emotional, I know what it is and I can go for a breathing pattern and I can be okay with it. It's not something that's embarrassing to me. I'm not ashamed by it. It's just something that happens. I'm a woman. It's a thing. Done. And that's how you get through it. 
And then also by talking about this, mm. the, the, the listener or anyone who knows you, then they think, well, that's something that I'd quite like to check yeah. out. When I talk about the show now, or when I think about August now, I genuinely go straight to thinking about all the funny things that happened around that horrible moment. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what I want now. I don't want to think about it and be all sad about, I, I, I'm a very literal person. I don't think you should be sad about things you can't change. And it sounds horrible, but I like that I have that because I'm an emotional person anyway. I'll like you, I cry over LucasAid openings. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I like to not, not, I don't know if the word's waste, but I don't want to spend emotion. Well, I don't need to spend emotion. There's no point in me sitting here being sad about a baby I can't bring to fruition. It's gone, it's done. So now I sit back and I accept it. And then you find a way to go forward in it. And, you, and for me to find a way is to make it funny. And so that's what I've done. One of my, prob one of my very favourite things about you, and we're both emotional people, okay. but what, what I love is that when you're at a gig with Tanya, this is an observation, when a comedian is on stage doing a bit that you agree with, mm. and I, this, you, mate, you have no idea how much you crack me up. I, I need to move away from the microphone here. So like Joe Thomas was on and he said something you agreed with and you didn't realize you'd done it. And you just went, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. <did. laughs> it hits me in the soul. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Uh, outstanding. So, right. So, when, when when can people see August in the coming weeks? August. If you best thing to do is go to www.tanyamore.co.uk because August is going to be peppered throughout. I'm going to try and tour it end of next year, um, end of twenty four. So I'll be having sporadic um, previews. Let me just get a date up so I can at least throw some dates. I'll be having sporadic previews between now and next year. Um, we've got Camden Fringe, that's a good one. 22-23 August, Camden Fringe. I'll be doing it there as well. And Leeds as well, if you're in Leeds and Reading. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Now, Tanya, do you? Uh, right, I'm going to. Uh, I ask this question as someone who does have quite a few, and I, I imagine you do. Do you have any pre-gig rituals? I do. First of all, one of them is just very simple and plain. You probably all say that I like to be alone. Like the five minutes before I go on, I'd rather not have somebody have a pointless conversation with me. You right, babe? Oh, they look really nice out there. I just, babe, I can see that. I don't want you to talk to me right now. That's a real dig at both Tim and myself. No, no, actually joking, isn't. <laughs> actually isn't. The person I had in mind, it wasn't you two. <laughs> I can imagine Tim before a gig going to you. You right, babe? Babe, honestly. No, Tim's really good, actually. Tim's quite quiet, naturally. Oh, Tim's, I've never had, Tim's the best I've in the business. Tim to be, yeah, he's really yeah. good, actually. Um, uh, but yeah, that's one of the worst things. And then I like to get into my own head because, because I, again, it's only new that I feel like I'm really good at comedy. It's me reminding myself, you're all right, you're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Just take your time. You know, like that self-talk in your head. Oh, yeah. I still do that normally pray before i go on stage say a little have a little conversation with the old g-man upstairs and then go on <laughs> yeah. there's that um and that that is true of pretty much every not every but have you ever seen the the, the jerry seinfeld documentary comedian yeah probably my favorite scene and t- tim knows what i'm gonna say here because I, I bring it up all the time so in the documentary comedian, if you've never watched it, oh, you're in for a treat. So Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld has to put all his old material in a metaphorical dustbin and he starts from scratch and it's him building up new material. So you see him uh, triumph, but you see him also not triumph at these gigs. But there's one gig he's about to go on and a guy asks him for a photo. And I, I am so Jerry in this. And Jerry just goes, not right now. So even even Jerry has to have that. Yeah, I've done that as well. I did it. I mean, there was when I went to uh, Tunbridge to do my one hour. There's a crew in Tunbridge who, you know, really enjoy me coming down. And to be honest, that's the only reason why I book it. There's about five of them. And I just hope other people turn up. Right. Yeah. But there's really lovely, supportive crew down there. And one of them couldn't attend because she wasn't well. So the other one was like, can we get a photo just before? I'm like, babes, can I just we can do it after? Yeah, no one's going to die. Do you know what I mean? But most people respond to that very well. Because then they get, oh yeah, this is this yeah. is their job. Yeah, I'm a, I'm about to do my job. You you're gonna fuck up the flow, and then when I go on stage and it doesn't flow, you're gonna be like, what happened? It's you. You happened. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me. Excuse alone. me, pilot. Before you uh, get this plane uh, into the air, do you know, can I have a selfie? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like honestly, just bang out a couple of pics. Honestly, <laughs> scalpel. Well, hang on, Doc. Just Honestly. Let's priorities. Scalpel. Why have you handed me a Google Pixel? Well. Honestly. <laughs> you could just press that there. That would be a touch. Honestly. Oh, take your gloves yeah. off. Okay. I prefer to just have like my own space before so I can get into my own head. Perfect. And not allow anything to penetrate that. Right. Who would who would MC your your dream gig? I'm gonna go Laura Smith. Everyone loves Laura. I mean, blimey, O'Reilly, talk about coming straight out the gates. Laura's not even been doing comedy that long. 
No, it's like three years or four years. Are you joking? Honestly. She didn't do comedy the way we did it. She went straight to Funny Women. Just one. <laughs> so what happened there? She went literally went straight to Funny Women and just won. And now, she, and then she got an agent and the agent's amazing, Carly. So now, yeah, she's getting what she deserves. Laura for me is the epitome of when you have a gift and a purpose and you lock into it. Naturally funny. Yeah. Great gear, great yep. delivery, yep. innate likability. Yep. And then also, and you're, you're in the same bracket here, I always have a soft spot for acts who use physicality. And so she uses her body. She uses yeah. that face. The face. Oh, the face God. is her, you know, that, that whole, I mean, I, I, I never want to burn gear, but like the whole gossip routine. Oh, the facial expressions throughout face. all of that. Yes. I can see it in my head now. Yeah. She's, I just think, yeah, again, it's the word effortless for me. And for me with Laura, it doesn't feel like she's on stage doing a bit. It feels like she's on stage and you're just having a chat with the cleaner. And we're waiting for the other acts to come on, but the cleaner's fucking hilarious. Yeah. That's how I feel with Laura. Do you know what I'm I mean? Having a chat with a hilarious dude that you have. Yeah, to just chill. There's no airs, no graces, you know. It's just one. Never looks like she's performing. No, that's the bit. It's just a conversation. Yeah. A hilarious conversation. Right, great choice. So she, Laura would undeniably roof the... Uh, yeah, part of me would be worrying for the first act because Laura, Laura, Laura might have hit strong. it. Laura's hit it too hard. Who would who would open? Who would open? I'm gonna go Judy Love. That's the oh, only person I think could bring the gig back to a gig after Laura smashed the shit out of it in her opening fifteen. <laughs> so yeah. naturally funny, pure funny falls off her without she without her even realizing it. I remember she blinks up, funny. <laughs> she blinks funny. I remember warming up, and eight out of ten cats does countdown, mm. and she had them rolling in the aisles and. Honest to God, I don't even think she was meaning to be funny. No, she, she just never can't. does. And the thing is, I feel like she's just complaining. <laughs> if I was her local butcher and she came yes! in some sausages, yes! I would I would be, she'd tell me off for crying salt tears of happiness yes! onto her sausages. Yes! <laughs> the thing is, her complaints are what we all want to say. She's just saying it. <laughs> yes, and then also, she pulls off that miraculous balancing act of, yes. so, and Kevin Bridges is very good at this, addressing success, but yet somehow they're the butt of the joke. Yes. I mean, that again, I don't want to burn, I, I don't want to no, burn material. The jet she, ski bit. The jet, oh my God, the jet ski bit. And again, the act out. And then also there's a bit about where she gets taken shopping for a certain item of, Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I think true com comedian fans, comedic fans, comedic audiences will know the fact that we know the bits. Sign enough. of a great bit. Do you know what I mean? Sign of a great comedian. Because you can always say I like that comedian and then be like, oh, what's that bit again? We know the bits like that because Laura is etched into us because she's so fucking amazing. That's what I think shows a good comedian. When, do you, when did you first meet uh, Judy? What are your experiences with uh, Judy? Judy and I met when she first started, before she became Judy Love, um, when she was just Judy and her actual surname. Um, so that's like, when did Judy start? I'd say she's about eight years in now. Yeah, so I met her really initially. I could send you some Tanya Judy photos from the beginning. It's very, 
very different looks we have now. <laughs> oh my God, I would love, I, I would love to see them. Yeah, I'll get some up and I'll send it to you. There's some, some proper old school Tanya Judy looks. <laughs> did you, did you always know back in the day that that she had that star quality? We always knew she was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she came out the gate like that. Similar to Laura, just came out. Oh, it's so interesting as well because they both had like similar professions. The both Laura's a teacher and Judy was a um, uh, account like a. Not a counsellor, what do they call that thing now? Social worker with kids. So they were both kind of in that uh, field of helping people. That's so interesting, because when I think of Judy, you just think of that great big heart, don't you? Yeah, and that, that speaks, doesn't it? Both of them had that. And so they both come from a place where they can both like, they've got this wealth of knowledge as well, isn't it? Because they're in school. So they've got all these different, th yeah. And they've both so been- so much about them that works for them in comedy. And they've both been through. They've both been through so much, and then exactly. you know, and look at them both now. Both parents, you know, all the stuffs. Right, great, terrific gig. Yes. Who who middles? Now my middle is between two again. Have two if you want. Have two middles. Oh, oh, okay. All right, so we're gonna go Laura fifteen at the top, MC, Judy twenty. I'm gonna have two middles, and those middles are going to be tens. And they're going to be, one will be Maisie Adam. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, come on. You've got to have a Northerner. And that's my fave Northerner. And my second fave Northerner is Lauren Patterson. Not putting her in a bill, but I have to say it. Um, so first one's Maisie. And then, because I was going to make it an all-female lineup because we hate men. However, <laughs> we don't. Um, however, I do believe in putting like a little spotlight on a newer act. Love it. Do you know what I mean? I and I would want that to be Michael Hall. Right, we'll do. We'll go Maisie first. Yeah. Maisie Adam again hasn't been going that long, relatively speaking. Yeah. Already on her way to being national treasure status. I think she's already there. I mean, she just did uh, the football. What was it? Is it? Uh... So, so, my, so she's from Leeds. I'm from Leeds. My mom loves Maisie Adam so much. I told Maisie this. My mum reported on Maisie Adam getting married and then playing Soccer Aid the following day, like she was like she was reporting for BBC News Twenty Four. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Maisie is also one of those where TV is is hard to nail it on TV. Yeah, and so it can take some comedians, you know, maybe five, ten TV appearances before they truly find their feet. Maisie. From what I from what I could tell, just like nailed it from the first appearance, and then yeah. was like off, off and away, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I believe because again, a similar story to Laura. When you just have it, you just have it. And I believe like with Laura as well, and Judy actually, Maisie is the same thing. All three of those ladies, you won't find them in the middle of comedy drama or anything negative. They're just wonderful people who have a good time they mind their business they want to do good in the world they're really nice to everybody you know you won't find them in the mix of nothing they're wonderful that's so true drama free yeah. dudes yeah uh so right please talk us through who is the who's the newer act uh michael hall michael hall is somebody who i've been watching for a little while actually he's just signed uh to utc what I love about Michael Hall is the way he's very new, but he's really intense with his writing. And that's the bit that's really interesting to me. He's so good at finding 
the nothing in the something or the something in the nothingness. And I, I, I like comedians like that. He's only like two, three years in, I imagine. If that, I might be adding years to him. But he's been so intense with it that it's really showing up. He does great gigs. He's got great punchlines. I think once he really comes into himself, he'll start adding a bit more physicality to the stage. But I really appreciate as a new act, he's focusing on the craft right now. And he's really working on, and the craft is working for him. He's really, really good, really funny. So what's what's the what's Micah's angle? Is it is it jokes? Is it routines? It's jokes. It's nonstop jokes. Joke, not puns. Jokes, jokes, jokes. Like Laura, you know Laura's um, my daughter when I beef her type level. Yeah, that kind yeah. of jokes, jokes, jokes. Uh, well, that's not that's that's such a nice thing to do to shine a spotlight on a newer act. Yeah, I so think you should because that's how we all get somewhere, right? When somebody helps you along. Right. Perfect. My, so you would say. Remember the name, Micah Hall. This yeah. is very much one to watch. Definitely, 100%. I think in like two or three years. I mean, when I'm doing my tour, I'm going to get him to open. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. The thing is, though, if you're not paying it forward, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I promise you, in my first few years of comedy, if I didn't have Mr. C, Slim, Kojo, Mo, all them boys rallying around me and being like, Tan, come, I don't know what I'd be doing. If you're not paying it forward, that must like weigh, the guilt must weigh heavily, you know. What you... Like, honestly, you must be really selfish. I was really looked after. Also, I was lucky because, you know, on, I started on the mainstream, went over to the black comedy scene. When you go to the black comedy scene, there's like seven women across 900 decades. So they were like gasping for women. You know, there's loads more of us now. But at the time when I started, it was just me after Gina. There was no one after Gina. I used to do some, uh, do, you, do you call it the black circuit or the urban circuit? Black. Do, you, do people like me call it the urban circuit? Because... Uh, I'm scared to say black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Why are you scared to say black? Yeah, That's what I we think, are. I think it might be, it, I can't remember, somebody said, it might, have been, it might have been a tweet actually. Somebody said, why, why do I, why, why are people scared of saying the word black? And I read scared, that and I thought... Scared, the thing is, it's wild because people are scared to say the word black, but they will throw that N-word around like it's a piece of sweet. Honestly, I'm like, guys, revise this, please. We're black. Why are you scared to say black? So I used to do quite a few black gigs that Junior Booker ran. Junior Booker, uh, very talented, very, you know, excellent comedian. Definitely check him out. Yeah. I remember he booked me for a gig in Brixton and I roofed this gig so hard. <laughs> So this the this the the black audience, honestly, I thought they were going to carry me out like C three PO at the end of yeah, Return of the, the Jedi. Best audience. Oh my god! <laughs> and I, I I lived in Brixton at the time. My my then girlfriend, now wife, we we lived in this this flat. And I remember walking from the gig in Brixton back to, and I genuinely thought, oh well, I found my audience, and it turns out that I think I might be I think I might be the white Nelson Mandela. Yeah. I, So I'm walking past, seeing like these murals in Brixton, like part of me thinking, oh, I mean, it's a matter of time before my... James! <laughs> it's just, what? It's, not, it's not a question of if, it's just when. Yeah. And, uh, went home that night, like the euphoria coursing through my veins because I'd, I'd had like, I would say like top five gigs of my life. And then what happened was, uh, if by the way, this 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 story goes exactly where you think it's going to go. 
So Junior booked me to reappear at the earliest opportunity because he, he's probably thought this is like this is like booking the Beatles, you know. So I go back there and to say the thing with hubris is that you try your best to keep it at bay, but I, basically hubris or Kool Aid, call it whatever you want, was by now was like coursing through my veins mm. and whatever the opposite of being carried out like C3PO is. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> I went, put it this way, I went home that night and was scrubbing the wall where I'd assumed the mural was. <laughs> Babes, the thing oh. is, when, when you do it right, the black audience is the best audience. But when you get it wrong, oh, they are unforgiving, baby. Oh, may, may I just say, if anyone was at that uh, second gig, that was all on me. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was, oh my God. <laughs> but the le- I mean the lesson there and it's a lesson that you learn when you're an actual child let alone yes. the lesson is don't get too big for your boots <laughs> Honestly. Oh, god the thing is it's one of those where you know like certain gigs that, that are like stained on your soul and you look back and you cringe that's one of those where I, I literally look back and you just have to laugh because yeah. I've got it so badly wrong yeah you know I, oh, know, I know that feeling man time to bloody smash this gig again <laughs> Let me go in and be the king that I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I see an actual tumbleweed uh, blowing across the stage. Oh my god! But was the tumbleweed laughing? <laughs> tumbleweed was the noisiest thing in the room at the time. <laughs> oh my god! Super, absolutely, but superb because yeah. got exactly what I deserved. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, I mean, just just yesterday, I was watching uh, Steve Harvey, Kings of Comedy, doing the Titanic routine. Babes. Oh, my God. And the audience, if you've never seen Kings of Comedy, I think they, do they mic? I think they mic up. I could be wrong here. When I say they mic up the audience, they, I think, that's a Spike Lee movie, isn't it, I think? Spike Lee. Right. So Spike Lee being Spike Lee. Yeah. What he does is he cuts to the crowd, but he does more than that. He, he captures the audience experience. And so you see people again, losing it. Oh, they're losing it. And that, I, I, again, I won't burn the bit, but if you Google Steve Harvey Titanic, oh, it's, it's such a favorite. It's such a go-to clip. I'd like to actually plug Watch Kings of Comedy, the whole film. It is fantastic. This is controversial. Does, does Steve Harvey not quietly steal the show? In the black community, no. That is all Bernie Mac, mate. That Kings of Comedy is where we solidified Bernie as our king. Well, well I was going to say my introduction. Sorry, not, nothing like a, a, a straight white man uh, talking. Sorry, of- I'm just going to interrupt you, Tan, about your black king. Just going to let you know about my experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Hang on. No one's so magic. That was great. I don't even see what you do as a thing. And then you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, you did do that, actually. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, that 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 couldn't have come across. Could... <laughs> Sorry, just gonna interrupt your black history a minute. Just five seconds. <laughs> Honestly, Jay. <laughs> it's you in you for me (laughs) 
my wife tonight. Why I'm, can't I've sleep? never been so hot on a podcast. <laughs> oh my Hilarious. God. That was brilliant. Right. <laughs> just, like, I tr- just to explain, I promise what I was trying to do was join in. But as the words were coming out of, as the words were coming out of my mouth, the voice in my head went, this doesn't look good. <laughs> right. Right. So please explain. So yeah. what, what ha- I did not realize that. So what happened with Bernie Mac and that, and that special? Um, Bernie's the headliner and uh, we get, we've got like, so Bernie in the black community, we talk about Bernie the way we've been talking about Laura, the bits, the naturalness, the, you can go to any person in the black community who watched or watches or has watched black comedy, especially the Kings of comedy, the elders. And I can go up to you and just quote one line and then you can finish off the rest of the joke. Sure. Bernie's like okay. Michael McIntyre. Bernie is, do you know what I mean? He's our king. And it's sad that he died early because we really lost, we lost when he died. We lost big time. Um, and he was finally getting uh, his flowers and just desserts from the mainstream over there. They were finally opening the doors and letting him in. Um, and then, yeah, sadly he passed, so. Uh, that, that was not the right time for me to chip. When he said Michael McIntyre, the voice of my head went Bernie McIntyre, and that was not the right time. <laughs> um, um, but the thing, but, <laughs> so my, the first th- the first time I think I saw Bernie Mac was was his famous uh, deaf comedy jam appearance. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, I'm not scared of you. Mother- I'm not. I'm not scared. <laughs> Yo. So I'm right in saying that the act, I won't name the act, but I think the act who'd gone on before him had had a tough one. This is what yeah. I've heard. Yeah. And so then when Bernie Mac goes on, he like doubles down in terms of confidence. Yeah, so no, not the act, the whole lineup. So everyone had struggled. Everyone had struggled that night. And that's why Bernie Mac keeps saying, I'm not I scared of you. I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. Yeah, he ain't scared of you. Yeah. And, they, and he uses it as a callback. So every time he does a joke, he then goes, I'm not scared. Or I ain't scared. Or yeah. I ain't and, scared. Or he goes, hit it. And the music comes on. It's like, doom. Oh, doom, my God. Doom. And it's the stupidest dance. Doom. The dance and the jeans are ridiculous. Yes. But With his the, face on it. It's the, face on the jeans. But the, the, the hairs on my arms are standing up because I'm not sure there is, um, I'd have to think, certainly top five most electrifying routines you'll ever see on television, right Agreed. up there. That... It's, not, it's, it's only a short set, isn't it? Yeah, it's a short set. But he just absolutely... Eats it. Oh my God, it's just absolutely incredible. And he's young, and I don't think he's, uh, he wouldn't yet be fully established, would he then, I don't think? No, in, in the black community, yeah, but not on the mainstream. I'm not scared. Yeah. The music comes on. That reminds on. me, that kind of routine is the kind of routine when Out Out, everyone has, everyone knows Out Out. Every, do you know what I mean? You, I can is... go to, are you going out? No, I'm going out. We can all finish off the joke. Do you know? Christian I'm Knowles, Mickey's, Mickey, Mickey, yeah. Mickey Flanagan's agent told me a story that he knew that Out Out was popping was there was the gig at the boat and so it was uh, that it was hot and there was condensation on the window and someone had written Out Out with their using their finger on the window and christian went oh that's interesting yeah. um but yeah but so if you could i hope it's on youtube yes. uh bernie mac kings of comedy the bernie mac deaf comedy jam is it is astonishing this is you won't expect this it, the, the, one of the other most electrifying routines i've ever seen on television 
uh, Freddie Starr, I think it's a royal variety show, does uh, a routine. He's trying to sing Vincent, Starry, Starry Night. Yeah. Find that on YouTube. That's one of my go-to clips. God tier. He's just he's just on it. Hilarious. Love that. Right. So we've not even that lovely detour into the black circuit. Yes. We've not even got to the headliner. Who would close the gig? My idol in comedy, Whoopi Goldberg. Incredible. Yeah. What a life. What a career. What have you met Whoopi? Not in person, but I've been to watch her live. How was it? Amazing. Babes, you, uh, she was at the Palladium and you walk in and all of the music is from all of her movies. You just, you're merged, you're just immersed into Whoopi Goldberg world. So there you're hearing the songs and you start feeling, the, you know, it's the nostalgia-ness of it. And you start thinking of the movie, you start thinking, it was, it's literally just songs from all of her movies and all the things she's done over and over again. And then she, there's no opening act and she just walks on stage. What's that like when she walks on? Everyone's, because we're going from, oh my God, this is so much. Ah! That's what it is. Oh my God, this is so much. Ah! You just don't realise that she's casual. She's not dressed up to like, she's, you know, Catherine Ryan's quite glam, isn't she? No, it's cash. It's like an oversized shirt, some pants and some, and some Crocs. Nice and easy. And also from the off, you just know it's not her first rodeo. Yeah. And she, she comes on comfortably and it's like, an hour and a half of her just telling story after story after story. It's why I want to be a storyteller. Story after story after story. Punchline, 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 punchline. It's great. And, and like uh, Robin Williams or Jamie Foxx, someone who was able to make that transition into acting. You know, this is this is an, an Oscar winner. You know, this is you know she won the Oscar for for Ghost, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, just great. She's my... just amazing. She's am actually amazing. It, well, I went to the cinema to see that film with my grandparents and it was always a relief when Whoopi Goldberg was on because it meant that there wasn't an awkward sex scene. Yeah! Oh the relief. You'd laugh because she brought the comedy to that. She brought, she brought much needed comedy to that. There's, there's the sex scene that, in my mind, goes on for at least three months. <laughs> and I would have been... I'd have been 12 years old. I think it came out in 1990. And my granddad... A war hero. He didn't have to sit through that. An actual war hero turned to me and he went, "Was this film your idea?" No. Yeah, like I was, like I was a child pervert. Yeah. <laughs> getting his jollies by taking his, getting his grandparents it. to take it. Oh god. <laughs> Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Oh god. Lonely rivers flow. Oh. But but Whoopi again. This is someone that this is someone who who's lived a such a full life as well yes she's been through it yeah yeah and it's still here i think it's amazing when you've got somebody whose career has literally spanned what four or five decades and she's still relevant and she's still able to get up and do she's like on a she's on the what is it called uh it's like americans loose women what do they call it real the view the view that's the word plus still does comedy tours plus still acts like the woman's untouchable forever I'm right in saying that she still does the clubs as well. Yeah, she's so out. That's, that's the trick. I mean, I would say this, you know, Tim and I would always say this, but in order to keep that toe in the real world, you've still got to do the clubs, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to. You, got to, you, have, you have to have at least one foot in the thing that everyone's talking about or being about, or, you know. You've got if you to go on tour and your opening line is, don't you hate it when your third swimming pool gets dirty? Like, right, yeah. Crowd are like, oh, mate, you might have, you might have lost oh, the plot yes. here. Yeah, exactly. 
But I, th I find her to be so powerful. And what I like about her is whether she's walking around the stage or standing still, she still holds the power. She chooses to do extra stuff if she wants to, if she can be bothered. And I love that we know she's moving because she can be bothered right now. And right now she's moving because she can't be asked. And I love that we know that. And it doesn't change her craft or her delivery. It doesn't change how funny the joke is. It's just something to look at and notice. What would you be like if if you were to meet her? Would you would you keep your cool? Would you lose your shit? What what, what would happen there? See, I would like to think I would keep my cool. I've, but then I've been around. People... Just interrupt you. Yeah. Bollocks. But that's the thing. I would like to think <laughs> I would keep my cool. I chose my words carefully, James. Okay, judge yourself. <laughs> I would like to think. That was said with such love. I want you to know that. But I've also been around people who I'm like, oh, you're amazing, and definitely didn't keep my cool. So <laughs> I think ten, there's a possibility 10-year-old Tanya will lose her shit and she will be present more than today's Tanya. But like, and that's And that, first of all, I loved her from the actor's standpoint, not the comedy standpoint. So the comedy standpoint came last. I've just idolised her full stop. Her essence, her very being. Yeah. And also, back in the day when I was growing up, if if I did see a black face on TV, it was Whoopi. I kind of feel like I had no choice but to analyze her. I think, right, I'm going to have to Google this because this is quite a wild thing to say. But yeah. I, it's not that wild. Right, I'm just going to come out and say So I, I, I could be wrong. I think I've heard Oprah Winfrey say that Whoopi... The Oscar meant so... Oh, when she won the Oscar, I think Oprah is crying in the audience. Yeah. Because she knows Whoopi's full story, mm -hmm. and I think Oprah revealed that uh, it meant so much that Whoopi uh, slept with the Oscar in the way that one would sleep with a a beloved teddy bear. I, yeah. I think. Yeah, because she, what she said, so we don't know everything, but what she's shared with us, she, listen, iron made of iron that woman. Because I don't know if. And at the time as well, remember, she was here in like the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, when when racial issues were rife and they were taking the mick with her. But she stood her ground because she knew what she wanted to have that at that time. That I mean, you've got to be special. You have to be special and going through the treatment that she went through, watching her peers, you know, white women go and be, have great times and she has to have a horrible time, but still like, like, how do you, how are you a main character in like a global phenomenon film and still being treated like shit? That's crazy. And also, uh, I'm always obsessed with the, the big awards. She's one of 18 people to win the EGOT. So she's won the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, the Oscar and the Tony. And the Tony. I'm on and my it's... way, baby. I want an EGOT. Is that your goal, to win the EGOT? And then you bookmark this podcast. In about 20 years, when I get my EGOT, you can repost this podcast and be like, she said it. So hang on. You don't just... So, like, for example, you don't just want, say, the Oscar. You, no, you... I want an EGOT. T, I'm remembering where we were. Yeah. twenty. It's my mum's birthday today, 26th of June. So as you, as you as you bag that Tony Award to complete the EGOT, you can just look down the barrel of the lens and say, I told you. I'm just gonna go always be comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And then and go we all know. And then go, hit it, I'm not yeah! scared. <laughs> <laughs>
get it, you motherfuckers! <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Right, so, ring gig, yeah. uh, undeniable. Is there an incident that's happened to you at a gig that you would love to somehow recreate at this fancy gig? Do you know what? When I'm in MCing, I find lots of pockets of people that really I'm like, oh, if I could find someone like you at every gig, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have a great gig at every gig. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lady in Milton Keynes. She is of the, I don't know why, it's, I think it's like white people in the word black. I don't like saying disabled, <laughs> I don't know why, but she's in a wheelchair and uh, something's wrong with her legs, so she can't walk, but everything else is fine. And what I used to enjoy is every time I went to, I was resident host at this gig, it was monthly, Milton Keynes. And I used to go there and every time I'd go there, we would have the best banter, but because she's so sound, I could be like, well, look at you, you fucking bitch, can't even walk. And then she'll be like, well, you ain't even got a wheelchair, you look shit on your legs. And that kind of energy, yeah, oh, she'd come for me. Oh, sometimes she'd win, James, she's so good. But it's like having those moments really softened the idea that we should treat her different because she's in a wheelchair. She wanted to be treated the same as everyone else. And I'm very good at doing that. Like, if you want to be treated, oh, 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 I'll come for you. The same sure. way everyone else no. And so when I find somebody who is of that variety and they're like, I want to be treated like everyone else. Oh, I go, I double down on that everyone else. <laughs> so I was there for like two years, but two years, we just kept bouncing back. It was the best moment. But I like finding things that people are normally scared to address and having those moments. If I could have someone like that at every gig where we could share a message as well as laugh through it. Yes, please. So you're, you, you've monitored the guest list and she's the fir she's first name on the team sheet in terms of the audience. Yeah, peppering her immediately. <laughs> right, absolutely perfect. And then also, yeah, like you say, what you're saying there is to the room, we're all in this together. We're all, it's, we're all humans. Everyone's some of welcome. us can work, use our legs, some of us can't, but we're all the same. She's fine. She's just got a bad leg. Stop being weird. Right, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine... I don't know if it was the amount of it, but I imagine that that woman, she might have said, 
God, that, that I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. We would hug at the end. I'd, sometimes I'd stay and have a drink with her. Like, she's just really cool. She's just so happens to be in a wheelchair. Perfect. Yeah. Has there been an incident at a gig that must not happen at this gig? Oh, my God, yes. So, one of my first gigs, I was in Streatham, black comedy gig. Uh, was it Hideaway? First. Hideaway. I was at Hideaway. I think I was about six months in at this point um and went on stage to do a five now i thought i was going to have a good time because you know in comedy james they say if it's people you know they know your personality so it's easier sell isn't it so this room and this occasion was full of people who i'd grown up with so i was like this is gonna be a steal not a laughter you know the gig is rubbish when the host goes on and was like yeah that was their first gig no it wasn't quincy <laughs> it was six months in James. Oh my God. And then, you know, at the end of a bad gig, all you want to do is go home and hide and wish you weren't alive. And then as of the black comedy scene, they were like, no, you've got to stay here. You've got to firm it. So I sat down oh. with the other comics after being the first act on and watched everyone come to our area and congratulate everyone else. Oh. Do you know that still sits in me? <laughs> I, know, I, think you, I hate Hideaway, the building, as a result. <laughs> it's quite, I've got to, no, I have to be honest, I've, I've gigged at Hideaway and, and I don't upset anyone associated with the Hideaway. I've always enjoyed Hideaway, but the, where I'm going with this, uh, Tanya, we had a guest just a couple of weeks ago yeah. with their own grim, it was David Earl told a story, he was struck in the face by an audience member at, yeah. No! At, yeah, at Hideaway in Streatham. No! Hideaway is bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Proper stinky vibes. But that thing where where an audience member comes over to congratulate and you're and you're just like sat there not being congratulated. Yeah, oh, just like yeah. holding oh, your face straight like you don't exist. Yeah. 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 So what, what, I don't, why couldn't you go home? They said it's part of the journey. Sit in it and you'll learn from it and watch the other comics and see why you didn't do well. So what did you learn? That I hate sitting at a gig when I don't want to be there. <laughs> it's a good lesson. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, what the thing is that that is, ultimately that is probably the thing to learn because, like, what else are you really learning there? Nothing, because I'm not, Come on, I'm not watching on, the guys. comics like, oh my God, let me learn. I'm sitting there seething and I'm in my own feelings and all I'm thinking about is I'm replaying the murder that just happened to me on stage. So did, did you have that same thing? Was it that, that almost subconscious hubris where you just thought, well, I'm obviously going to roof this? I, yeah, I was like, well, this shouldn't, shouldn't be too bad. I thought I was going to have a good gig. Oh. And the thing is, all you want to do, I mean, that you actually want to hide under your own bed, don't you? Honestly. All you want to do is in that moment, the moment you come off stage, you want to morph into somebody else so nobody can see your face and, and no one can like have that awkward wide berth when they walk around you. You know yeah. that awkward, I don't want to go next to you. You might transfer your not funniness onto me. Like it's yeah. really horrible. You can't even make eye contact. Yeah, it's horrible. Right, terrific answer. Now, finally, how do you, how do you unwind after a gig? Um, truthfully, I come home, I meditate, I journal, I stretch, and I smoke. Yeah, that'll do it. 
Yeah. How do you find the journaling? I've, honestly, I've only just started it back up again. I used to journal all the time and I stopped in 2019. I haven't journaled in a while. I start back up again. I find it does help me get things out of my head and help me process them when I start to get them out. So if I can't talk about them, it's better to write them down. And my, my breathwork therapist does this thing where it's pen to paper until you can't think no more. So you put the pen on the paper and even if you're not writing anything, just keep the pen moving. So some, some of my journal papers is just the pen, it's just a line. And then I'll start writing because keep the pen on the paper until something comes and just, because what I'm doing, what she says I'm doing is training my mind. I still don't know if I'm training my mind. I just know I'm using a lot of paper. <laughs> Costing you a fortune in A4. Costing me a fortune in trees. <laughs> okay. Do you manifest? Yeah. Have you, ever mani- board. have you ever manifested something that's come true? Yeah. Can you share an example of something that you've written down it's happened? That I've manifested. Uh, I sh- so in 2018, I manifested that by the end of 2019, I would have been on such and such Channel 4, ITV, uh, BBC, and on the radio. And I was. I did Bamus. I did Black British and Funny. I did um, uh, Jamie Johnson. I did Pure. I, I was even on Netflix. I did Duchess and I did the radio. Incredible. Yeah. If you were to manifest something now, I'll write it down. What would you like to manifest? I'm going to be one of the world's best comedic actor presenters. Is there a time? I'm writing this down. Is there a time frame? By the end of 2025. Now, my spirit is saying four, but I want I'm, to say five. I'm writing down 2024. Okay. Very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, Tanya, we cannot thank you enough. That was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I've loved it. I've really I've, enjoyed it. I've never laughed so much that I've had to walk away from yeah. it. <laughs> we, we can't thank you enough. That was, that was amazing. Thank you very, very much. No, thank you. Huge and heartfelt thanks to the great, the, the people's champion, Tanya Moore. Tanya Moore, one of those dudes where if I was to find out that she was the new host of a TV show, a radio show, or a, a new team captain on a, on a TV show, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. She's got that star quality and she's hilarious. She's, oh, and also she's an absolute joy to work with. She's, she's the perfect marriage of everything really. Uh, now, Tim, your favorite Tanya Moore memory. I would, I would say, so I've warmed up quite a few Love Island after songs. Tanya writes on that show. And whenever I will get to the studio, I will always look out for Tanya. <laughs> when we see each other, I will shout, T! And uh, it's just always a great dude to see. Have a hug. I, 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 uh, I really like her. Timo, what would your favourite Tanya Moore memory be? I think my favourite memory has to be, uh, well, we sort of discussed it in the intro, really. It was the gig Tanya closed that we were at, uh, where it'd been a potentially tricky night, let's say, or trickier night than others. Uh, and then Tanya Moore just sort of showed showed everyone how <laughs> you make an audience fall in love with you from the second you walk on. And yeah, I just remember so clearly the gaggle of audience members <laughs> queuing up 
to chat to her because she was so beloved. Yeah, Tim, absolutely perfect. And a uh, perfect encapsulation of uh, Tanya. Now, as always, please leave those. This is the needy bit. Please leave those five-star reviews. And some of you have. And my God, we're very, very grateful. It helps like you wouldn't believe with the algorithm. Do we follow, fully understand it? Not really. We've had a chat with some people that do. Still don't fully understand it. But nevertheless, please keep leaving those five-star reviews. It, it helps. If, you, if you're on a train right now, looking out the window, and I'm revealing my journey to and from gigs, you've got a spare few seconds. Even if you don't, you don't have time to write a review, if you just bang us uh, five stars, it helps. If you leave a five-star review, we will endeavour to read it out. Any correspondence, we are the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. And if you want to send your gig uh, curations, please send those in. We do have a couple to read out. We apologise. Uh, we will endeavour to... We're, we're always endeavouring to, to read correspondence out. We're so grateful for it. We love sharing it. Kathy, thanks for yours. That really cracked us up. Uh, we will see you next week. Tim, any other business? I don't think so. It's just, if you like the pod, feel free to follow us on the social medias. We are at Always Be Comedy on, on everything. Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. We're on there. And then also our summer season of previews still has a few shows left to run. You will find the likes of Kiri pritchard McLean and Rose Johnson on Thursday, the 20th of July. John Robbins is doing a preview Tuesday, the 25th of July. Uh, and then talk about one to watch Daniel Fox. My goodness, a relatively newer act on the live circuit. Uh, but this dude has the magical it. Wednesday, the 26th of July. And then the, the regular uh, mixed Bill Knight's return for the start of September. You will find the likes of Sindhu V, Maisie Adam, uh, Glenn Moore, as mentioned in the podcast, Jessica Foster Q, Angelos Epithemiu, Milton Jones, Sakisa, and many, many more. Josh Pugh. Oh, sorry, I, I, I'm doing that thing. I... I Ian Dowie, when he used to, when he was Crystal Palace's manager, once he got something in his head, it was such a, a, an adorable trait. Uh, and once he got something in his head, he then kept returning to it. So he'd say something like, uh, somebody once asked Ian Dowie, should Andy Johnson play for England? Basically, I've, I've ended up, I'm not saying when I do it, it's adorable, but uh, I, do it, <laughs> I'm, I do it myself. When I do it, I know how, how it, I'm irritating myself. But what Ian Dowie would do, uh, should Andy Johnson play for England was one question and, and Ian Dowie it really like struck him and he was like should he play for England <laughs> uh, has he got pace yes yes he has does he track back yes he tracks back is he good with both feet both feet are getting a lot better and then he he, he knew that he had to move on to the next question and so the next question might be like a uh, big game at Sheffield United and he'd go uh, well yeah you know obviously uh, you know it, it is a big game you know in this league uh, Andy Johnson terrific in the air and he's very good at tackling uh, really big game but all games are and uh, box to box he, he never stops running uh you know all games big and, and in training no one tries harder in training um and i i can i can relate to that it's tim what is that is that just neurosis i i think it's your love of ian dowie <laughs> you just want to be him tim as ever you T tim would you be my new therapist <laughs> gladly why not perfect thank you tim uh have a great week everyone um we're very, very grateful. Take care, dudes.